Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Listen, the road which the Lord sets before us is not easy. Let me say that again, and I I want you to feel the weight of this. The road which the Lord sets before us is not easy. Well, how so? Well, it requires us to give up our selfish ambition and to walk the path of service. Now, when I say walk the path of service, please allow me to explain. It's called servant training. Servant training. You go, how so? Well, listen, listen. Jesus has been training and his disciples, he's been training, he's been teaching them. He's been teaching them for one purpose, to walk the path of service for his glory. Now, I understand these are, these are church terms for his glory, but, but in essence, guys, here's what's going on. For the last three years, the last three years, they, they've been training and the training is about to be over. We are in Matthew chapter 20. We see the next eight chapters are going to be focused on the crucifixion and the resurrection, but they've been in training. They've been training. It's almost over. And when the training is over, ministry begins. And this is exactly what the Lord is doing. Now, let let me say it like this. When you think all about what Jesus has taught and demonstrated each one of the fellas, each one of his disciples, it really has been an intense training to say the least. You see, when we think of the disciples hanging out with Jesus, we think of them going, oh, well, we all sang, we all, we all went camping for three years. We built a fire and we sang kumbaya and it was just wonderful, but it actually has been quite the, it's been an intense training for the disciples. Every question you can imagine was, was asked of Jesus. And do you remember the whole, the whole reason he wrote the Gospel of Mark, he said, listen, I, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, he came to serve. And so if God in the flesh come down from heaven and says he is going to serve, we have no excuse. We have no excuse. You see, the Lord at Calvary Chapel here in Lubbock, Texas, is wanting to do the same thing with us. You go, what's that? We're in training. We're in training right now. This is a little bit different kind of training. How so? Well, here's what he's calling us to do. He say, we and I need you to follow in the example of Jesus. In other words, we need to follow in his footsteps. That's what he's asking us to do. It's not an easy thing, but that is what he's asking. That's what he asked his disciples to do. That's what he asked us to do, to follow in his footsteps. You see, the Lord Jesus is not calling us to great things on earth for an earthly kingdom. Can I get an amen? You understand that? There are a lot of people who do great things on earth for an earthly kingdom. But God is calling his disciples 
to do something different. You go, what's different? What's different? He's calling us to serve a heavenly king for his honor and his glory. Now, the question is, what does that mean to you? Because when I say serve, a lot of us think, oh, God's going to call me to clean the bathrooms. I knew it. I'll just serve Jesus. (laughs) These people are awful. And and we automatically think what that means. But but think about it. Listen. He's calling us as servants to make an impact for his kingdom. He's calling us. But before we can be godly servants, we must follow in the footsteps of Jesus and we have to be trained. Wouldn't you agree? We have to be trained. Now, the best way to illustrate it is like this. Let me share a story with you. How many of you this morning, come on, I want you to be honest. How many of you this morning would love to go to Hawaii? Come on. Love to go to Hawaii. All expenses paid. All expenses. You don't have to worry about it. As a matter of fact, round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, and spending money. Can you? There you go. Sign me up. Let's go. I'm ready to go. Two weeks, let's go. Whatever it takes, I'm in. Who's, who's, are you all ready to go? You're like, I'm ready to go. Now, again, I know what you're thinking, Craig. Craig is looking at me like, what's the catch? There's no catch. There's no catch except one. You go, what's that? The pilot, the pilot flying the plane has no training. How many of you would get on that plane? No. Oh, why you would not. You would not. Let's not argue about this. You see, you require your pilot that's taking you to Hawaii to be trained, to be a certified pilot who's flown a plane before. I just read of an incident just this past week where the pilot actually became unconscious and a, a, a normal dude just had to land the plane. That was a small one. It wasn't a commercial plane. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Ben, you have to land the plane. We're all going to die. <laughs> Let's just make this as dramatic as we can. <laughs> but the point is, you require training. Or let me just even move it a little bit closer. Think about this. What if you were scheduled for a very important surgery? And the doctor had no training in this surgery whatsoever. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? There you are, Lane. Beep, beep. He's like, uh, let me YouTube this. That doesn't look at all like this. You would not go in, would you? Because you require your doctor, your surgeon, your physician to be well trained. Guys, here's the point. Jesus has been training and pouring into 
teaching and serving these guys. And they're about ready to be graduating. But there are some things that need to be worked out. And he's going he's gonna to deal with that today. But I want to talk to you real quick, guys, about the path of service for just a moment. Why? Well, jot this down. The very first thing you must know is that the path of service is not an easy path. You need to understand that. Okay? It's like going to the gym and actually working out. Not a lot of people do that. Now, a lot of people go to the gym, and they drive by, and you say, how'd you do today? I went to the gym. (laughs) Went to the gym. Did you go inside? Oh, no. I went to the gym. When it comes to exercise, that's a hard path, is it not? Why? Because if you go to the gym today, you work out, (laughs) and you go home, and you look in the mirror, you'll go, nothing changed. Nothing changed. And you go back the next day and you lift up again and you'll work and you go home, nothing changed. Because it takes what? Training. You do this for six to eight months to a year, eventually you go, whoa, wow. Guys, think about it. It's not an easy path. Let me say this to you. Although Christianity, hey, if you want to give your life to Jesus is amazing, it's not an easy path. True Christianity is not easy. It's very difficult. And that's why, that's why when, when we have these, these prosperity gospel preachers say, hey, give your life to the Lord and everything's going to be better. Your whole house is going to come back and you're going to get your money back and you're going to get all of this stuff. That's not true. As a matter of fact, you're being catapulted into a war with the enemy. Do you understand that? Christianity is not easy. But it's well worth it. It's well worth it. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not an easy path. You see, in our study today, we're going to find that Jesus, once again, reminds them that he's going to the cross. And that part of his training is he's going, part of their training, he's going to suffer, he's going to die, and he's going to, on the third day, he's going to rise again, okay? So Jesus has been doing this, he's been doing this for, for the past three years. He's been telling them, he's been preaching to them, he's been sharing with them, he's been using parables, he's trying, guys, will you please get it, will you please get it? As a matter of fact, part of the training you'll realize that the disciples will go, hey, you will indeed drink of this cup. The cup of what? Suffering and service. I think about this story when it comes to you and I serving. We have some wonderful, amazing servants in this church. But God is calling all of us into service. Why? Because I, I thought about this little story of a fellow by name J.K. Laney, and here's what he writes. The great violinist Niccolo Pagagani willed his marvelous violin to the city of Genoa on one condition. You go, what's that? That it never, never be played. 
The wood of such an instrument, while used and handled, wears only slightly. But set aside, it begins to decay. Patagini's lovely violin has today become a worm-eaten, youthless, except as a relic. His point? A Christian's unwillingness to serve may soon destroy his capacity for usefulness. You understand that. God has called us to serve. It's one thing to come in and go, okay, I'm, I'm being fed the word of God, but our next step is, what do I need to do? What, what's my service? Where's my calling? Where's my calling? I want you to keep service and servitude in mind as we go through our verses. But let me remind you what we talked about last week, because Adrian wasn't here. So Adrian, here's what we talked about last week. We learned about rewards and recognition, and that those are going to be in the kingdom. But what we really learned is that should not be our motive for serving God, right? Oh, look at me. Pat me on the back. Oh, I'm up on stage. Hey, right? That's not our motive. Okay, we learned all about this, and we learned that we often need to check our hearts from time to time. Can I get an amen on that one? Make sure we don't think too much of ourselves, We need to walk in humility. You see, this is the church that God uses. God uses the church to reach his community when we walk in humility, when we walk in brokenness, when we don't think we're something. This is the church God uses. And here's what we, he he says, guys, here's, here's, here's what I love. I love when the saints, I love when the saints walk in humility. I love when the saints walk in brokenness and compassion. I love when you're at the grocery store and God moves on your heart with compassion to help someone, to bless someone. And you're not thinking about the money. You're not thinking about, it's just like, I've got, I've, I've got to do this. I love when, when the guys, and again, the saints, and that's what he said, we're not thinking too much of ourselves to stop and pray for somebody. Well, look at me. Look at me pray. Everyone, I'm on the, oh, Lord God. That's not us. Us are just going, oh, man, are you okay? How can I pray for you? How can I pray? And somebody goes, hey, why, why, why do you have that compassion? Because you go, because I know what it's like to be in their shoes. I remember when I was struggling. I remember when I was out of it. I remember all of this stuff. And, and so I remember. I remember. Do you remember? Do you remember when you were not close to the Lord? Do you remember when you were far from the Lord? Do you remember? And you pour into that compassion. This is what we learned. And here's what we wrote down last week. Never let pride trick you into elevating yourself to something we are not. As God begins to use you, we have a tendency to put our shoulders back a little bit and go, watch, watch, watch me. And and, and pride tricks us. And we have to go, no, 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 no. And then last week, one of the things that the Lord spoke to us, the second thing we talked about, guys, was comparison and complaining. Anybody remember last week's complaining? (laughs) You see, Pete, wonderful Peter, compared his life, sincerely, I might add, to the rich young ruler. And Jesus, and he told Jesus, he goes, Lord, see, we've left all and followed you. 
Therefore, what shall we have? And he was comparing himself a little bit to that. He, oh, look, 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 the rich young ruler left and he was sad he had all this stuff. He was a ruler. He was rich. Lord, we, I'm not rich. We left everything. I had a business, but I left a business to follow you. But what are we going to have, Lord? What are we going to have? And what we learned, more importantly, guys, is that we all have to stay in our own lane. God has gifted you with gifts and talents. Listen, it's a God thing. He's made up the body of Christ with beautiful gifts, and they're each different. They're each different. And although there, we, we need pastors to, to teach, we need everybody running in their own lane for the glory of God. And we have a tendency to drive in our lane and look over and wonder why they're, what's going on in that lane. Well, I wonder why are they doing that? I wonder what's going on with them? Or why are they more successful than us? Or, you know, and, and what happens is that we usually veer off our own lane when we're watching somebody else. And that's, he says, run, run your race. Every one of you in this room, run your race. Run it hard. Run it fast. Run it with passion for the Lord. But run your race. Can you imagine, there you are, an Olympic runner, right? And you're going to run, and you take off running as fast as you can. Do you realize that none of them ever look like this when they're sprinting? Why? Because one minute off where they're going, they could trip and fall. That's all it takes. So when you're ready to run, where do they go? Keep your eye focused on the prize. And they run. Even if somebody's running close to them, they're focused. And that's how we're called to do in Christianity. Oh, don't misunderstand me. I don't mean that if a brother is running in his lane and he's stumbling that you stop and you go, oh, let me help you in your lane. But we never compare. Why is he more successful? Why does he have more money? Why is he whatever it might be? Whatever it might be. I don't understand why Greg Laurie has a harvest crusade because I am just as gifted in evangelism as he is. We, we say those, we, we say those things, but not, we don't only do it, listen, we don't only do it in Christianity, but we do it all over the time, all over the place. We learn that. Here's what I love about the Word of God. The Bible says that each one of us are, is, is fearfully and wonderfully made. I love that my friend Joe Castro over there is different from me. Because that's what God does. He makes us different so we can impact the body. I love that God made Mike Shaw the way he did. Because we can impact the body. I love it. Remember last week we talked about complaining, though? We talked about complaining. 
And the spiritual truth is, when he talked about all of this, is here's what we learned, that Christ brings out is that God has the right to deal with his servants however he was. We talked all about Mike and Craig and, and Joe. See, Joe was the first one to, um, to go out and work, and he's not even here today. See, I mean, he, he already quit. And so we talked all about that, but now we come to our text, guys, and he's still talking about servant, remember, and I love the way he does that. So let's pick up our, our study, guys. Let's pick up our study in verse 17. It says, now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed by the chief priests and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and mock him, scourge him, and to crucify. And the third day, he will rise again. Your attention, please. They're heading up to Jerusalem. They're going. All right? A whole bunch of them. This is for the Passover. Everybody understand? This is for the Passover. And this was one of the three feasts that they were required to go The only difference I want you to see is that it wasn't just Jesus and the 12. There was a whole slew of them. Family, friends, everybody. They gathered together and they went. Can you imagine? It would be like all of us in this room deciding to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. And I think that would be incredibly cool. Why? Because half the way I'm going, hey, Sherry, how's it going? And we're talking and we're having a good time. And then Sherry gets bored with me. So then I move on to talk to somebody else and so forth. You understand, it's just so cool. It's like, it's like a big family reunion. You're talking to cousins and friends. That's what's going on here. You have a whole bunch of them. You have disciples. You have disciples family. You have family to family. You have friends. We're all going up. Number one is safety. It's safety. Because there'd be no robbers going, oh, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, right? It's safety. There's all these people. Okay, we're coming, we're coming up to the, we're coming up to the Passover. And I think it would be so cool. But Jesus calls us 12 and he says, hey, 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 listen, come here, guys, come here. Hey, hey, come get away from, I need to talk. I'm going to talk to them for you guys. Just, just hang out here. Take a rest. Craig, sit under the tree. I got my disciple here. You go right there. And he says, and he brings them, and he goes, hey, guys, guys, listen, listen, we're almost there. We're almost there. And they're like, yeah. Um, I want you to pay attention. Peter, over here, right here, Pete, Pete, listen. John, scoot out a little bit. I know you love me. Hold on. He says, I'm going to, I'm going, and I'm going to get arrested there. There's a hit out for me. I may get arrested. Guys, listen. I, I um, they're going to whip me. They're eventually going to kill me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being a disciple right now? Here's your Meshach. Here's your Messiah. Here's the one that you thought was going to rule and reign and, 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 and stomp Rome and move. And, and now he's going... They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. But don't panic. What do you mean don't panic, Lord? Are you kidding me? Are you serious right now? Yes, calm down, right? Andrew. Why? He goes, because, listen, I, you, you're going to see me die. But, but listen, listen to me. Listen, on the third day, 
I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to be alive. I don't know about you, but I probably didn't hear that part. You understand what selective hearing is? You, 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 you're so, your mind went so nuts at the fact that your Jesus was going to die. He was going to be whipped. That's not what we talked about. Uh, Lord, I have a contract here when you fo- told me to follow you and you said we were going to do good things. I signed it. I, you, know, you didn't say anything about dying or, or getting whipped or, Lord. So there, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Let me ask you a question. Think about it for just a second. You're a disciple. You're in the group. He tells you he's going to die. And everything you thought what was going to happen is now shattered into a thousand pieces. Wait, 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 wait. How would you react? This blows my mind because this isn't the first time. This is not the first time that he's done this. And I think a lot of us would go, we would raise our hand and say, I don't understand. I don't understand. What do you mean, Lord? What do you mean? Listen, if, if Jesus is the Messiah, then that doesn't work out for our plans, does it? You, the Messiah can't die. He can't rule and reign in over Rome or over the world if he's dead. That doesn't work out for us. And I bet you that's what they were thinking. How many of us at this point would have said, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to Jerusalem. Let's just, let's just turn around. Oh, oh, not for the Messiah's sake, but because you think, oh, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be whipped too. Guilty by, very good, yes. Guilty by association. That's the, I, I, okay. Okay. Hey, let me ask you a question. Since we talked about guilty by association, how many of you would be guilty by association? I hope so. I hope so that there's so much evidence that you have been with Jesus that there wouldn't be a court that would go guilty, guilty, guilty. How do you know? This is, look at my life, man. Look at my journal. Look at my Bible. Man, it's tatted. It's worn. There's tear stains on it. Guilty by association. Guilty because you've spent time with Jesus. I would never want a court to look at me and say, not guilty, I, we, can't find a, we can't find a shred of evidence that you've been with Jesus. We've looked at your Facebook posts. we looked at your Instagram posts. I can't tell, I don't know if you're a Christian, you're a very nice guy. No, 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 no. Every aspect of my life from my work to school to wherever it might be, is going to reflect he's been with Jesus. He's been with Jesus. And I don't mean, I don't mean that when we check out of a grocery store that we say, have a blessed day. Everybody says that. Have a blessed day. Thank you. I mean, I love some of the stories that you guys share when the Holy Spirit anoints you and you're like, I've got to talk to them. And all these people think you're weird. I don't know if you know this or not, but I, the Holy Spirit says I need to share this with you. And da, 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 da. and I mean, do it, do it sincerely. If the Holy Spirit don't, we don't want to put on any type of facade, do we? 
Only if God's moving in your heart. But, but the problem is, is that it should come so natural because you've been with Jesus. And you're not reading the scriptures only, but the scriptures are reading you. And he's growing you. And now you're becoming a servant. And you're hearing the voice of God. And you're going, I've got to share. I've got to share. I don't know what this means. I know I'm going to be ridiculed. One of the hardest things that I ever had to do, or I felt like it was hard to do, I was invited. Nathalie and I, we lived in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and we were invited to our neighbors to eat. And we went over to eat, and we brought the little girls and, and the dad. And uh, so our friends were sort of the younger age, and they had little kids, and, and then they invited their mom and dad. And so we're all sitting around the table, and, uh, and, and so he gets to talking about miracles. And he tells us this great story of a miracle and, a, and, a, and, and how he walked away from this wonderful, and, and then he goes, and so how about you? And I said, i got to tell you a greater miracle. And I said, how Jesus Christ saved my life. And I remember sharing, but it was, it was like, boom, boom, boom. my wife looked at me like, you did what? And I, I just shared. That is a great miracle. Listen, you want to know a miracle? The fact that you're here today serving God is a great miracle. It's a great miracle. And he's gifted you. And because he's gifted you, the enemy wants to steal your gift. He wants to rob you. He wants us to walk around like Christian Eeyores. You know who Eeyore is? He's so bummed about everything. that I mean, it's, it's like, it's such a great day. Yeah, but it's so hot. Well, the sun is shining. I know, but we need water. God is good. Yes, he is. But, uh, you know, we just, everything is so, I don't want to be a Christian Eeyore. I, I, I want to I take my gift and go, yes. You see, the quiet time in your, in your life is not only for you, but God will take what you learned in the morning and he'll, he'll use it somehow that day with somebody who needs it. Hey, you know what I was reading this morning? Boom. Boom. I got way off point. Come back, come back here. So the disciples, the disciples were thinking, this is, doesn't work for us. This is not the plan that we had. And I started to think about this, and I say, do we do the same thing? Do we subtly do the same things at times in our lives? Like, do we get something in our mind how God should work in our lives, and when it doesn't happen that way, we walk away confused? Anybody? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Think about this. Think about this. I love when the Lord speaks to you because he gives you something. So, and so I started thinking about God, and I wonder, I'm just saying, everybody say wonder. I wonder how many of us have a relationship with God where we have no expectations of God. In other words, we really don't expect him to do anything. Not because we're mad at him or anything else, but let me tell you why. You ready? You ready? Because if we have no expectations, we have no disappointments. Come on, somebody. We'll hope. Oh, I hope God works. I, I, he might. I'll pray. But I, I don't think he will. And the reason we do this is because why? Because if he doesn't work like we think he should work, then I'm not disappointed. 
and I can live my Christian little life. Okay, well, how'd you do? Well, God, God's God. But, but I think about this, guys, and I started thinking. We sing these songs of a great and powerful and amazing and wonderful God. We sing them amazingly. But, but in my mind, I'm going, well, I really don't expect him to heal people. I really don't expect him to move on my behalf. I really, you know, because I, I just haven't seen it. Well, God works behind the scenes. But be careful that you go, I have no expectations of the living God because I don't want to be disappointed. It's not about you. It's not about you. You go, well, what should I do? Make sure we're grounded in the word of God. Make sure we're grounded in what God is doing in our world and what he's doing in our country and what he's doing in your life. You should at any moment be able to say, this is what God's doing in my life. And I don't care if it's a a little tweet. I don't care if it's five words, but you should be able to say, he's doing this in my life. He's teaching me this. He's growing me here. That's what God should be doing. That's what God is doing. You go grounded. What does that mean exactly? Well, here's what it means. It means that the truth you live by is now founded in the word of God. The word of God. So here comes the training. You guys ready? Here comes some training. The mother of James and John, what does she do? She comes up. I love it. Look at her. Verse 20. And the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons. Oh, this is good. This is good. Can you imagine? Boys, boys, come here. Boys. Yes, mom. Come here. We're going to talk to Jesus. What about? And so she comes. Here she comes, right? And notice what she says. She comes kneeling down and she asks, and he says, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two boys of mine may sit on your right hand and the other in the left in your kingdom. Now, remember, in your mind, my Bible students in here go, oh, yeah, of course, Zebedee, of course, Salome's there. Because they're traveling together. Of course. And mom thought this would be a good time to ask Jesus for a favor. Right? Hey, we're all together. There's Jesus. We're going up to Jerusalem. This is a great, this is a great time. I don't know if I'll have another opportunity. We've been walking with Boys, boys, come here, son. Hey, yes, mom, here it comes. Now, here's what I want you to see. This would have been a great Mother's Day message. You know how so. But here's what I want you to do. I love the fact, here, here, here it is. You see, we have to admire Salome for her faith. We have to admire her for her faith in Jesus. Okay, she comes straight to Jesus, and we have to admire her for, the, for her faith in the promises of the kingdom. We have to admire her. You go, Wow. Why? Because remember what Jesus taught us last week. In Matthew 19, 28, it says, Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So she heard that. She heard that. And she's like, oh, okay, well, here it is. I, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. But there are two things that, that we need to draw out of this text. And you go, what's that? Jot this down if you're taking note. Notice her motive. Notice her motive. Although we admire Salome for her faith, I want you to notice her motive. Well, what's her motive, pastor? 
she was not asking for his glory, but for her own. In your kingdom, let my two sons sit in place of honor next to you. One at your right hand and one at your left. It's so important as believers, we always check our motive. Now, our motive isn't always pure. Can I get an amen? I get that. We're human. Our motives aren't always pure. But it's important to check your motive for your service to God. And here she comes. Now, I understand that Salome, like the disciples, were still thinking about an earthly kingdom. Okay? She, she doesn't get it yet. And remember, when we talked about Peter was rebuking Jesus because Peter thought, oh, okay, we're going to Jerusalem. This is going to be good. It's a hostile takeover. Yes, Rome's going to go down and we're going to rule and reign. You remember when Peter thought that? As a matter of fact, Matthew 16 and 22 says, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord. This will never happen to you. This, he, he didn't want Jesus to die because he's like, no, 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 you can't die. If you die, who'll be king? You can't die. How are we going to rule? As a matter of fact, I didn't tell you this, but um, I saw a nice little piece of property there in Jerusalem that I'd love to just, this would be, that would be for me. And, and, and Lord, it's, it's next to the temple, but I mean, I can, 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 that would be great. Has a pool, has some great stuff. I need a good realtor. Anybody know a good realtor? I just, And in verse 23 of the same chapter, it says, And Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. Why? For you are seen merely from a human point of view and not God's. Not God's. Here's a point. I I, I love mom, but here's the one thing we need to remember. Always do a heart check. Always do a heart check. Why are we serving the Lord? Why are we serving the Lord? Is it for position? Is it for position? Is it for fame? Fortune? Power? Recognition? Think about this. I'll never forget. I went to a pastor's conference, and one of the pastors was saying that he was hoping that the elders would see him serve. So what he did is he went on an early Saturday morning, he got a broom, and he thought the best thing I could do is I know they meet up there at the pastor's office, so he gets a broom and he starts sweeping the parking lot. And there he is sweeping, and he's looking up, and he's sweeping, and he's, and he's sweeping. He's trying to get recognition. The pastor comes down two hours later, and he goes, he goes oh, hey, you guys are meeting up there? And the pastor says, oh, no, we didn't meet today. We were at, we were at a restaurant. What are you doing? So, you didn't see anything? And then he goes, God, nobody saw me serve. And God goes, I did. Yeah, but I needed somebody important. That hit us hard as pastors. Because again, is it for my own glory? Is it for my own glory? 
Here's the motive. A motive is this, a reason for doing something, especially one that is hidden and not obvious. What's my motive? The second thing, the second thing on this, Salome, we talked about a few weeks ago, is when the answer to prayer is no. You guys got that? She was asking for the boys to sit on the right hand and the left, and then you fast forward to the cross, and she sees two criminals on the right and the left. She probably said, thank God he said no. Thank God he said no. Here was the point that we learned. Thank God for the no's in our life. Thank God when he answers no. We don't, do we? When God answers no, we throw a fit. I asked my, asked my eight-year-old granddaughter, what does maybe mean? And she goes, it means yes. Grandpa's maybes mean yes. But when grandpa says no, she has a hard time with that. And so do we. And we need to thank God for the no's because you and I, if we're watching a parade, we see the one float at a time. God sees the whole parade and he goes, oh, 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 over here in your life, feathers, and over here? Okay, so it's no because I see something here. We have to be careful because we start throwing a fit. God, I don't understand. I can't believe this. And again, where are we trusting? I just praise God for the no's. Like Peter and the disciples, when we have our own desires in our hearts and we pray to the Lord, rejoice in those times when the Lord says no. And so many times we get mad or we get bummed. I bet Salome was so glad that the Lord didn't say yes to this because this would have broke her mama's heart. And Jesus now, back in our text, verse 22, he answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Now he's talking to the boys. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. We're able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink of my cup. There's a training, guys. And be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give. But it's for those whom is prepared by my father. Now, again, think about this. He's talking to the two boys. And they don't really understand what it means, the cup and the baptism, right? They don't understand that it's going to be suffering and there's going to be torture and there's going to be, there's going to be all these things because he goes, hey, hey, okay, so you're asking for this? Yes, I'm asking for this. Okay, so you understand what it means? We do. Can you do this? Uh-huh. I think human nature at this point, if they understood exactly what was about to happen to them, Did you guys catch that? Human nature says if they knew everything that was about to, they were going to go through for God, how many of them would have walked away? That's why God doesn't show you everything in your life. He's going to give you one step at a time so you can deal with it one step, one step. Think about this. Think about it. Ben, yes, Lord. I'm calling you to Lubbock. Okay, let's go, God. He goes, but 18 years later, this is what you're going to have. 
18? Lord, we have a bad connection. I'm not hearing you yet. Because in my mind, when we start, when we think God's going to do, I mean, it was, you, you know what I mean? It was like in my heart, in my mind, there was, it was, this is not. But here's what's happened. Here's what's happened. It's not about the number of people, but how much I love you guys. That's changed. It's, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. It's like, <gasps> and I get to come to Sunday morning and I get to see family. It's so cool. But what changed? I had to change. But see, God didn't show me this because he knew that I would miss out on the change. I would miss out on the growth because I would have backed off. God says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, listen, there's going to be some suffering in your life. There's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some things in your life, but I'm not going to show you what they are because I want to be with you when you go through them so you can have growth. And we don't have to fear these things because he's with us. I don't want you to leave here going, oh my gosh, we're being attacked. I can't believe this. I don't want to be a Christian. No, he's with us every step of the way. And when you sit back and watch God work, you're like, wow, wow. Now, I know they don't understand what that means. How? Because notice the response. Hey, you're about to suffer. You're about to get whipped too. You're about to die on a cross. Are you able to do this? We're able. No. You know what they realized? You realize they just agreed to scourging, humility, nailed to a cross. He says, you will indeed suffer my, my namesake. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to teach them about training. He's trying to train them up. You realize that James was the first disciple martyred. You can find that in Acts chapter 12. John, oh, he didn't get killed right away, but he suffered greatly and was actually exiled to the island of Patmos. You go, yeah, that's great. He received a great revelation, but it was still lonely and it was still broken and it was still suffering. Tell me what John did. He served the Lord Jesus. He served the Lord Jesus. So what's the result? Verse 24. And when, and notice, and when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. You know what, you know what came to mind when I heard this? Do you remember when you were a kid and, and, and one of your brothers or your friends, you, you said something and they got mad at you? Do you remember what they did? I bet you the disciples looked at him at the, at, at the two boys and went like this. Right? I'm going to get you later. Do you remember that? It was like if you were in trouble, it would be like. And they, they were like, it was mom. It was mom. But they're, listen, they, were, they weren't happy with, with, with James and John. Why? Because it wasn't about the position of themselves. It was God. It was God. But again, think about that. The ten heard it. They were like, "Mm mm-mm. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know, guys, listen to me. You know that the ruler of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Here's verse 20. Here's the training. You ready? Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. 
and who desires, whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Why? Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is so upside down in our world. Because our world tells us you've got to climb that core. You've got to be first. You've got to get it out there. You've got to work hard. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Jesus said, listen, if you want to be first, you need to be last. You need to be a servant of all. You be a servant. You need to be a servant. You need to serve people. Here's our training. You ready? Because this paradoxical statement is a role reversal. Rather than exercising authority like the Gentiles, godly leaders willingly become the servant of others. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's hear it. Let's try one more time. But let me say this to you. You ready? Okay, let's, can we be honest in church? We can be honest in church, right? This is a safe place. Every one of us wants to be a leader. Everybody wants of us to be a servant until we're treated like a servant. We all want to be servants until we're really treated. What does a servant do? He's a slave. Whatever needs to be done from the lowest of the low. From the lowest of the low. You realize, church, you realize this church gets cleaned every week. The place you potty, the place you sit, all of this stuff, somebody has to do it, and there's no recognition. It's not up here. Hey, guys, I cleaned the restrooms today. Give me a hand. It's, you, you see, but we all want to be a servant until somebody goes, hey, can you serve like this? Huh? Do you know how to use a mop? Oh, no, my hands don't fit. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Can you do this? Why? Oh, no, no, my shoulder hurts. Yeah, old, old football injury, I just... Uh, God's calling us to be servants, and here's, here should be our attitude. Lord, for your glory, because you saved a wretch like me. Yes. Yes. What do you want to do? I'll do it. You don't even know what it is. doesn't matter. I'll do it. If somebody asked you, will you sweep the parking lot? Even if you think this is crazy, would you do it unto the glory of the Lord? That's, the, that, that's what he's trying to get at. Guys, we need to serve. We need to serve our little body right here. We need to serve our community. We need to serve other people. Why? Because Jesus told us that people would know you have love one for another by what? Or, or that you would be his disciple by the love you have one for another. When there's no motive. Well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because I want... Listen, this... You see this guy right here? He's, he's got a lot of money, and so I'm going to be real nice to him. I'm going to serve him, and, and uh, you know, then he's going he's to take me under his wing, and I'm going to be a... That's, that's a wrong motive. Let me ask you a question. Why are you serving the Lord Jesus? Because you love him. Why wouldn't you want to? This is, what, this is the training. This is part of the training. I like the way Warren Wearsby says, and he says it like this. The key to greatness is not found in position or power but in character. We get a throne by paying with our lives, not by praying with our lips. 
We must identify with Jesus in his service and suffering, for even he could not reach the throne except by the way of the cross. End quote. I really like that. Let me, let me say it again because this really, touched, this really touched my heart. The key to greatness is not found in position or power, but in character. Following in the footsteps of Jesus. Now, as we close, I want to give you at least a four-step plan for our training. We're all in training. Let me give you a four-step. You ready? Number one, the first step is being prepared to serve is to admit that we have sinned and ask God for forgiveness. Okay? We know that. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, New Living Translation says this, If you keep yourself pure, you will be special utensil for an honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you'll be ready for the master to use for every good work. So, guys, we realize, oh, okay, I need to check my heart. I need to admit, man, I've sinned, Lord. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. The second is we need to be fixed. You go, Ben, how so? We need to ask God to repair the cracks in us so that we can be a vessel for usefulness in his, for his purposes. You see, when our life will be clean, you'll be ready for the master, and you will be ready for every good work. So we go, God, listen, here's the thing. Please forgive me, and Lord, I need to be fixed. There's some things in my life I need to serve you. Third, now that we're clean and we're forgiven and we're fixed and repaired in order to hold the contents that God wants to use us, the third thing we need to do is ask to be filled with himself. You see, we can't serve, we can't serve unless we're filled with him. Acts 4.31 says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. And then fourth, it's time to ask God to forward us in training and teaching us that what he had planned for us to accomplish, and you say, here I am, Lord, send me, send me. This is just part of the path of service. Serving the Lord is a beautiful, wonderful, fulfilling experience. But it's not easy. When you think of a pathway... I want you to think of a pathway that's narrow. There's rocks. There's cactus. It's uphill. It's hard to navigate. But it's well worth it. It's well worth it. God is calling us at Calvary Chapel to serve to serve our church, to serve each other, to serve our community, to serve our brothers and sisters, to serve humanity. You need to ask God, what, what can I do? What can I do? How can I serve? Where do you need me? Where's my gifts?
That's what distinguishes us from other people, that we're servants. And that's what he's trying to teach his disciples. Graduation is about to happen, and now you've got to go. And because the disciples graduated and because they did what they were called to do, that's why we're here. And I want you to think right now of all the people that we could reach because we have the right attitude to serve. And when I say serve, I don't mean, hey, can you come and clean the church this week? Or, hey, can you be in children's ministry? All that the Lord is going to move in your heart. What I'm saying is, guys, we've got to think bigger and greater beyond that. We've got to think, how can we, how can we serve our city? How can we serve our city? How can we serve each other? That's what we need to do. Sometimes serving is just loving on each other. Just loving each other. Just lifting each other up in prayer. Sometimes serving is just showing up and being available. Just being available. I'm here. What do you need? What do you need? I'm here. Sometimes serving is going, hey, listen, brother, I know you don't have a church, but hey, come, come, come hang out with us because, because we want you part of our family. Sometimes serving is going, hey, the windows need a, I, I wouldn't invite people to my house with the windows dirty. Let me go ahead and just do this. Sometimes serving is sitting next to a unwed mother and praying with her and loving her. Sometimes serving is, is walking alongside our single moms and saying, you got this, we're here to help. Sometimes serving is saying, I'm going to take $100 and, and Lord, you tell me who I need to, to, to help. I don't I want to use it all on me. What can I do? You see our world, guys. Our gas prices have gone through the roof and, and a single mom's income has not changed. We can help. But be sensitive to the Lord. Be sensitive to the Lord. Food has gone up. How can we serve? Oh, I know, Pastor, we need a food pantry. No, 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 let's go even farther. Let's say, let's not, let's, let's take it out there. And say, what can we do? can we do there's lots of ways we can serve and we're in training and that's what Jesus wants today can I get an amen Amen. father we thank you that the path to service is hard but you've called us to follow you and so Lord we love you this morning we thank you and we look forward to even more what you have for us next week And so, God, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts through this series. I pray for anyone here, Lord, just to make that commitment to serve you. Disciples serve. Really simple. Disciples serve.
Hey, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to, I never want to leave our service without an opportunity for you to surrender your life to Jesus. If you're here today and you've walked away from God or you're here today and, and you're not saved. And God was knocking on your heart and he's, and he's asking you to come home. Maybe today's your day. I'm in a minute, I'm going to ask you to just simply raise your hand and say, Pastor, you know what? That's me. That's me. I was... I was listening to you talk and what it made me realize is that I don't have a relationship with God, not not deep one, not, not a real one. But today... I want to surrender my life to him. I want to be his disciple. And with every eye closed and every head bowed, those of you praying into heaven, how many of you would say, Pastor, pray for me? You can just lift up your hand real quick and say, Pastor, pray for me. I I want Jesus. I see you, brother. God bless you. God bless you, brother. Amen. Anyone else? I I surrender my life to Jesus. I want to be his disciple. I don't want to go back to the drinking or the drugs or the women or the gambling or whatever else it is. I'm I'm ready to serve God 100%. Father, I, I pray. I pray that your spirit would move mightily, that we would recommit our lives to you and be a disciple of you. And so receive our prayer when we pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry. Repair those cracks, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, God, and forward me onto your service. Prepare me for the path to serve. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.